Let's look at Psalm chapter 110. Read verse 1 and 2. Here the Bible says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the means of thy enemies. Praise the Lord. I like to put it this way because that's actually what it reads uh, from the Hebrew context that Jehovah said to Adonai. So that helps. When you check the meaning, the first Lord, if you have KJV like mine, you see the Lord is all in, you know, uh, uh, upper cases, you know, capital letters. Then the second Lord, you know, start with, you know, uppercase L and the remaining O-R-D, lower cases. So, so the first Lord is actually taken from the Hebrew context, Jehovah, the second Adonai. And that's so beautiful. The writer of Hebrew differentiates Jehovah from Adonai. So this particular, you know, uh, episode took place after Jesus's, now, prophetic speaking, is a prophetic scripture. The Lord opened the eyes of the psalmist of David into this event that will happen. You know, many, many prophets prophesy about biblical uh, futuristic events. A very good example, Isaiah 53. That was prophet Isaiah speaking 800 years ago. I remember American election, the last American. The Lord said to me who was going to win, and I saw, it was a dream. I saw a particular news uh, broadcast announcing the leader between the former president of America and uh, the present president that was running against him. And I saw the president that was declared. At the end of the day, he wasn't the one that won, or he wasn't the one that officially declared winner. And it's like, I went back to the Lord, ah, that dream, where did it come from? I prayed about it, and I have a witness in my spirit. And you gave me the go-ahead to put it up. And then the Lord said to me that, um, you did not ask me when you had the dream, where will it come to pass? Okay, 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 I got it. So something just struck me. If Prophet Isaiah saw the dream about Jesus' crucifixion, was it about 400 years or thereabout before it happened? And that dream did not come to pass in his lifetime. Isaiah saw Fado. You know, when you say that, how do you know a true prophet? When you prophesy and it comes to pass, you get what I'm saying? He said the virgin will conceive. That never happened. Then he said he will be crucified. He will be lifted up. You know, the chest time, that never happened throughout his lifetime. Praise the Lord. So, yeah, and that's so beautiful. That is one of those prophecies. Now, this prophecy was meant to be fulfilled after Jesus' death, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. Then his ascension to glory. So, it is his ascension when he was enthroned that was declared here that Jehovah was so satisfied by the price he paid you know the bible says when he was on the cross the lord jesus cried my lord my father my father why have thou forsaken me the reason was because the sin of the world was laid upon him and the eyes of god are pure would not behold iniquity so god turned his back at him for the first time so the lord jesus suffered the grief of death 
he was separated from the father and that isn't that what death is death is separation from god isn't that to christ jesus on the cross he did not just die physically he died spiritually that was the price he paid praise god so in here the father was satisfied by the price he paid and he honored him the highest level of honor he said sit down at my right hand until i make that enemy thy footstool but when you look closely it's amazing by the time jesus was being given this honor he had conquered death he had broken the lead of grief he stripped principalities and powers praise god he made an open show of them the world make and making i remember can taking teaching us in those days to make an open show of them you know in those days when a king a, an emperor conquers another you know kingdom so and he put them in chain you know take up he wouldn't kill their kings and the leaders he just lead them in a parade so they just rejoice and then they hold them as captive and take them around the public square that is the concept of making an open show of principalities and powers praise the lord and that was it's like a victory dance like a victory carnival and that was what happened by the virtue of jesus's death and resurrection you shouldn't be afraid of ancestral demons you shouldn't be afraid of generational curses because they have been cancelled and destroyed and rendered harmless invalidated you just need to now discover who you are in christ jesus and take a position i said that women don't get married in my family because now i'm in the family as a representative of heaven as a child of god it ends period Praise the Lord. This is because of the price he paid. Your fasting cannot match it. Your prayer cannot match it. The price has been paid. You just accept the victory. You can use fasting to accept it. You can use declaration, but don't start using your fasting to chase after shadows. You get what I'm saying? You can use fasting to accept it. You can use declaration. In fact, what is required is your word. Because it is with your tongue you are condemned. With your tongue you are justified. Praise God. I accept what Christ has done. So therefore, Satan, get your dirty hands off my family. Praise the Lord. Now, the Lord Jesus haven't been enthroned. Haven't been exalted. Having the declared victorious. The right hand is the place of honor. The right hand is the place of majesty. The right hand is the place of dominion. The right hand is the place of conquest. Praise God. A strange thing resurfaced. Then God said, Until I make thy enemies thy footstool. A future victory has now been announced praise god so you may then want to ask yourself why didn't he complete the course 
No, it completed the course. It's only that it is preordained by heaven that Christ will conquer the enemies. And it is preordained by heaven for the end to come. There will be a second witness of the victory of the cross. And that victory of Christ, the second witness to the victory of Christ before there will be completion will be implemented by the ecclesia. It is you and I that will implement the second witness. It's a church. Praise the Lord. And you may want to ask, what enemies are they? When you check the root meaning of the word enemies, you will, you will get the word oyeib in Hebrew. And the word oyeib means, it is a subtle word. It's a subtle word. It's, it means the outward enemies that have been felt or energized by the eating enemies. Like when you see the boast of hell, it is actually empty. The real energy is behind the scene. The real enemy is like a virus. You get what I'm saying? They're invisible. They're unassuming. So what that simply means is that the enemy the church is battling with, they are secret enemies. They are subtle enemies. They are subtle by nature. Those enemies is what the Bible will refer to. If you check the book of Romans chapter 8, I suppose verse 7, and is it 6 and 7 or yeah, 6 and 7 or 7 and 8, that says that the carnal mind is an enmity against God. Praise God. Because a carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. Neither can he be. Praise God. So the Bible says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So the real enemy, the secret enemy, is called the carnal mind. The carnal nature. They are the household enemies. They are the silent killers. And in John chapter First John, rather, chapter 2, read from verse 15 to 17. Those enemies are captured there. Where the Bible says, love not the world. Those enemies are the software of the world. And when I say the world, I do not mean physical uh, uh, system. I do not mean physical structure. That's not the word being talked about here. And when I also say the world, I do not mean a lady should not wear trousers. You know, that's the kind of the world the church was used to at some point. They don't wear trousers. Any lady that doesn't have her hair covered is the world. That is worldly. No, it's not worldly. It is your own misinterpretation of the scripture. Praise God. Because mind you, when the Bible says a lady, mind you, it's the first Corinthians 11, when Paul said, talked about covering of hair. He did not talk about, he never used covering of hair. You use the word covering of head. It is your head you cover. You cover everything. So in the in the real context, it is veil you wear, not scarf. 
So if you want to obey the letter of that scripture, you come to church with zeal. Get what I'm saying? So you're out of God. A lot of times people just twist the scripture. When it's not, it's, then Paul said, do not do away with customs. In this context, because when you read the context, you know, in their own context, if you don't wear that veil, you are a prostitute. A person that doesn't wear the veil is considered a prostitute. I'm talking about an adult. When you're 18, you are supposed to wear the veil before you. Children may not, but once you get to starting, you're supposed to wear it. If you don't wear it according to their culture, you're actually a prostitute. So now that we are born again, we're not now wearing veil. Everybody's just approaching us. Oh, Anna, how much it costs? You get what I'm saying? Suppose so that you should not be stupid. You get what I'm saying? Yes, there's no, we're not subject to all these customs and tradition, but you still have to be wise. Don't create chaos in the society. Now, and he used the culture of the people to preach submission to spiritual authority. So in that context, covering of head was the glove. It was the metaphor. Submission was the message, was the substance. Praise the Lord. So when the Bible talks about and the Bible talks about the, the world. It's not talking about a lady wearing trousers, a lady not covering her. In fact, men don't have many world self. There are not too many, or they, you can tell that they are the one that set the <laughs> praise to the <laughs> Amen. So, so, so that is it. So when the Bible says, love not the world, not the things in the world. Those who love the world, the love of the Father isn't in them. Then what are the things that constitute the world? The loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. All of these things, those who love them, will be deprived of the Father's love. They will pass away. Praise God. And those who are committed to them cannot do the will of the Father. So that tells me that the real enemies we're dealing with is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And if we conquer those enemies, we will conquer every other enemies. Those are the enemies, the spirit of the world, that invalidate, that rather, that validate iniquity. They are the ones that feel wickedness. Every evil out there in the world system is filled, is filled and validated by the carnal nature. If there is war, there is pride somewhere, there is ego somewhere. Do you know the, what is causing re recession in the Western world? That is causing crisis, energy crisis, and it may even deepen now because it said that, you know, uh, um, Finland has agreed to join NATO. And NATO is planning to set up military base in Finland. And Finland is a neighboring country to Russia. You know, that that will not be, that will, that's a new level of chaos that they're trying to. And in order to end that conflict one side just need to say that i made an error of judgment 
I am sorry. Then everything we had because of ego, the world will be in trouble, lives will be taken, destruction will occur. So, this is just in a simple way to tell us that the real enemies lies within. The enemy of a man are the members of his household. The real enemies are concealed. The real enemies are ingrained in the human nature. So when we talk about a church that will walk in the full blast of redemptive victory and walk in the height of kingdom dominion, is the church that is subduing the enemies within. So when you see an individual and on a daily basis is dealing with the loss of the eyes and dealing with the loss of the flesh and dealing with the pride of life, that individual will become broken. That individual will become humble. That individual will become selfless. That individual will become compassionate. That individual will become bold. There's nothing to be afraid of because you're dying to sphere of man. Praise God. That individual will live to fulfill destiny, will live to fulfill purpose. That individual will become an asset to the kingdom. That individual will become an advancing catalyst in his or our generation. That individual will become a positive influence within his or our sphere of influence. That individual will become an excellent father and a, 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 an exceptional mother. Praise the Lord. That individual will occupy the gates. And that's the reason why the basis of our relationship with God. You see, we must be able to, def be able to define the basis of our relationship with God. These are some of the things that constitute the trust. Then you now realize that the reason, one of the reasons, one of the core reasons why we study the world is to gain empowerment over the enemies that are concealed. One of the reasons why we pray is to engage in the spirit and to draw power and draw energy from God, from within, from above, to be able to crucify the flesh. If we crucify the flesh, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we crucify the flesh, we will be able to live out our life, which is Zoe. Is that when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, that Christ who is our life will not appear until we put to death the deeds of the body. We multiply, we multiply the deeds of the body. Then Christ who is our life will appear. Praise God. So that is where and how we take responsibility. We've got to engage and overcome the enemies. The enemies of Christ. Praise the Lord. It is only then verse 2 becomes possible and relevant. When you say the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength. So the question is that what is the strategy to fulfilling the prophecy of verse 1? Then you'll find that strategy in verse 2. What the Lord will surely do is that he will send. This is how kingdom dominion will be executed. The Lord is going to send the rod of his strength. 
out of Zion. And then you will be able to rule in the means of your enemies. We won't be able to rule in the means of our enemies if the rod of strength is not sent out of Zion. Praise God. There are certain key words there. I will say there are three key words there. The first key word, never mind the, uh, you know, the arrangement, the sequence of the arrangement. Okay, let's make it sequential first. One key word is the sending. Isn't that so? The second key word is the rod. The third one is where the rod will proceed from Zion. So there are three key words. The sending, the rod, what will be sent in order to establish dominion and victory, conquest over the enemies. And the third one is where it's going to be the takeoff point. So let's reverse it. Zion. Let's say Zion. Okay, prophetically, symbolically speaking, every time the Bible uses the word Zion, we always assume that it is the generality of God's people, like, say, the body of Christ. Somewhat true, but specifically not accurate. Zion. You see, in that context, you could say Jerusalem represents God's people. But Zion is in the midst of Jerusalem. It's a mountain in Jerusalem. Isn't that so? So Zion is where God... In, okay, we, we all know the story of Zion. The, David took Jerusalem. And Zion were where, was where he built... On Mount Zion where he built... It was allocated that the temple would be instituted. So that's where the temple was constructed and the ark was kept in Zion. Praise the Lord. So Jerusalem, the larger body, is the city of God. And then Zion is the mountain of the Lord where the ark dwells. Praise God. So Zion represents a certain church. You see, religious Christian, that's not Zion. Praise the Lord. Religious Christian is what, what? It's not Zion. You remember the Lord said that he's going to do something. The Lord Jesus, in his own way, describing it, that same spiritual technology. He said, time is coming, the Son of Man is going to return. And at his return, he will do something. He will separate the nation of goat, the nation of sheep, from the nation of what? Goat. Do you know both is talking about God's people? The nation of goats is referring to God's people, the church. And the nation of sheep is still referring to God's people, the church. So goat is synonymous of stubborn nature, lawlessness, illegality. They are children of God. But the only thing that they just don't care. They are children of God. They have no clue what God is up to. But sheep is talking about the divine nature. A people who are constantly, deliberately cultivating personal relationship with God. The reason for their existence is to know God. God is being revealed to them and God is being revealed in them. That is the, nat- the nation of sheep. Sheep, I mean, excuse me. A sheep is known for its meekness. Isn't that so? Its brokenness. So it's a description. God is in other words saying that these are the people I will, my manifest presence will rest upon them. 
my glory will be revealed in them. I will domicile my glory in them. He will not throw his treasure, his power among the swine. Praise God. I'm going to entrust, I'm going to reveal my glory. I'm going to reveal my presence, my manifest presence in these ones. Praise the Lord. So, it just tells us what Zion is. Now, the, God's ultimate intent is that all his people will become Zion. You get what I'm saying? What, what did I say? God's ultimate intent is that all his people will become Zion. That all these people will constitute Zion. But as he stands, Zion is a description of the church within the church. Of people who have made up their mind, they will serve the Lord. A people who fear his name. A people who are determined to follow his blue, his footprints. Those are Zion. God needs Zion. If I'm to put it in a simple way, you know, I like to simplify things. Zion is a description of a people who have chosen to experience the dealing of God. A people who have chosen what the Bible calls the straight and the narrow path. The straight and the narrow path means a people that embrace the truth. Truth ought. Praise God. It's not just any, any, anywhere anything goes. A people that cherish the truth. They constitute Zion. So it's another way, you know, just like the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 15, you know, verse 1 to 5. He said, I am the vine. My father is the husband man. Praise God. Every branch in me that abides in me, what will happen is that because the branches are abiding, I will abide in them too. Then I will purge you and you will be fruitful. The end point of our commitment to God is fruitfulness. You shall know them by their fruit. Isn't that what the word of God says? By their fruit. Not by their claim. Not by their noise. Not by their supposition. Praise God. You know what's shocking? Not even by their prayer. Is by their fruit. Now, you can't become fruitful without prayer. You can't become fruitful without experiencing the process of God. We can't become fruitful without abiding in Him. It is as we abide in Him. Abiding in Him means cultivating intimacy with Him. When we abide in him, then he will abide in us. What that means is that he will begin to culture our soul and culture our heart and begin to reconfigure the DNA of our heart. Praise God. Then we will bear fruit. There's one scriptural terminology I like, and that's the word 
be thou saved, Abby. Be saved by the engraft. I love the uh, in James one. I love the the metaphor engrafted or the introduction of that metaphor because it's actually if you check the root meaning, it's an agricultural phenomenon where you take apple fruit, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of utterness of nothingness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. You receive with the right attitude. The word engrafted word is taking, it is actually from the word, you know, enfotio, that actually means to implant the, the branch of an, a, a particular crop into the stalk of another crop and you bind it so that apple will now start growing on mango. So your soul can experience engraftment that changes the DNA of your heart so that the life of God, your soul can come to a state where your soul begins to supply divine life so that the fruit of God can grow on your human from your human soul. Your human soul that either to you see as children of God, our spirit is pure. You get what I'm saying? Our spirit is regenerated. But the problem is that our soul, mind, will, and emotion. Some of us, if somebody hurt you, the pain you will suffer can could even last for two years. Anytime you see the person, you just can't stand the person. Sometimes we manage, you know, as Christian, we manage it. We manage it. We manage resentment. Every time you see them, you still remember. It's still fresh. No, you're not supposed to. When you see the person, you should forget about it. When you see the person, the person, you shouldn't recall those actions. Your emotions, your emotions should not, you know, recall those actions of the past. The only thing that you can't fake it. Is either it is there or not. It is called love. That's the reason why love is the evidence of spirituality. Praise God. So that's why we need our soul to experience engraftment by the word. The word of God changes the core nature of our soul. That our soul is not emitting the life of God. So therefore, forgiveness becomes possible. So therefore, tolerance becomes possible. Praise the Lord. That's what God needs of us. That's the key to kingdom dominion. So when the, world, when the Lord Jesus, when, when God said in his word, I will, this is how kingdom dominion will be implemented. The second witness of conquest by sending forth the rod of thy strength out of zion i need zion a people committed to doing the will of god the purpose of church is to reproduce zion praise god because when we have zion it's a matter of time everything will fall in line another key word is what sent let someone just send when god said i will send the word send is taken from 
an Hebrew word, shalak. And what shalak means two things. Sent ones. People who are who have received the mandate and that mandate to go forth is operational or rather is honored by the backing of heaven. You get what I'm saying? People who are going forth but they have heaven's backing. So that's what's saying. It's been commissioned. Praise God. The word saying there Salak also means a shoot that is growing out of a tree. So when you check some scripture, will you some you know translation, you get something like to be sent forth as a shoot, as a branch from God's tree. So what that means is that, and mind you, the word rod is not talking about rod in that context. The word rod is word mati. It means staff. Staff is synonymous of authority. Isn't that so? The legitimacy to change the world. The authority, the endorsement of heaven. To conquer his head, to reign in the means of his enemy. The word rule is what it simply directly means dominion. Rule thou, Radar, in Hebrew. The word Radar, that's part of the word that was spoken over Adam when God created man. It's like our dominion. Radar means to, it means to prevail against the enemy's deterrent. Praise God. That, mean, that doesn't mean there's not going to be opposition, but you will prevail against them. So, Radar, rule thou, prevail against the deterrent of the enemy. But for that to occur, for kingdom dominion to be implemented, we need authorization. We need endorsement. Praise God. We need a staff. The enemies submit themselves when you hold the staff. The only thing is that God is not handing no staff into your hand until you begin to grow as a shoot out of him. A branch out of him, then you can carry the staff. A branch out of him, we've got to be fruitful. We've got to abide in the vine. The life of God must nourish his attributes in us. That tells you this is supposed to be the centrality of Christianity. The centrality of Christianity shouldn't be take it, have it, get rich, be delivered, be blessed. All of that are relevant. Don't be deceived. Anybody that tells you that anywhere where they preach prosperity, they are going to hell, is not. You don't determine who goes to hell. Prosperity is part and parcel of the gospel, but there is a problem when prosperity is taken to the center of coverture. Where first Sunday prosperity, second Sunday, you know, there's a way we can reinvent prosperity. There's one day a scandal broke out, and I prayed for that pastor. I never joined. 
But at that time, that was the first time I ever heard of the pastor. Ah, every newspaper I just carried. Let me just Google the church. I just went to the airport. I said, okay. Ah, today, where did they preach? They said, no more crumbs. That now it's prosperity now. But which is okay. It's okay to preach. Last Sunday, where did they preach? They said, making of money. Uh-oh. No, no problem. Let's check the other one. And the engineering of money. Uh-uh. I said, let's take the other one. I'll say that money comment. Uh, let's check the other one. No more. I just realized that for a whole year it has been, they've been reinventing money. That's not prosperity, that's materialism. You know, Satan is smart. <laughs> you know, they call it prosperity every single Sunday. After a while, people say, ah, ah, people, but just the making of money, the engineering of money, no more crumbs. Money coming, you know, just, just be smart. Praise the Lord. Have you heard about somebody, a pastor that played a bet and won a hundred million naira and shut down the church? <laughs> I like the guy, honestly. Uh, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad news for us. We know, but the guy is honest. There's only, some people will still be doing the church. And they will not give commitment again. And the reason for this venture is what, the, and the money has now come. So I, I like that guy. Some people are not others; they will still be pretending. Is that why the pastor is not around? Pastor went on on administration. Pastor is always going on administration nowadays. And so that there's no administration anywhere. The guy, there is no need. I left, I'm not deceiving anybody. Everybody, go find God by yourself. Let me focus on my money. <laughs> it's quite sad what's happening in there. I'm not talking about that guy, but that's a sincere, you know, guy that you know it's even better than to be a false preacher. You understand? <laughs> so so but but what is sad is that what is sad is this. Once attention is taken away from God, and when I say God, what God considers as the priority, if we miss the priority, we, we, excuse me, we minimize the worth of the priority, we will end up in idolatry. So when the Lord Jesus said that, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all other things, he didn't say that don't expect all other things to be added. Because all those all other things are the things that the Gentiles seek. God intends to add all other things. So, but the only thing is that the kingdom must constitute our focus. The kingdom must constitute our attention. To the point that even when you talk about prosperity, the emphasis of your prosperity should be the kingdom. Because prosperity in itself is not evil. But the only thing is that the pros- why is prosperity and not materialism is that we're not supposed to desire the mundane only for the sake of the mundane. Praise God. True prosperity as at the center, obedience to God. Praise the Lord. So this is supposed to be the centrality of our Christian faith. It's about raising, creating the awareness, 
the consciousness of the saints for the emergence of the Zion church. And it's about God's people being committed to bearing fruit. Because when they bear fruit, God will entrust and endow them with authority. That is the secret to kingdom dominion. Praise God. Without Evans endorsement, without Evans, without the staff, we cannot implement dominion in the earth. But without being fruitful, bearing fruit, becoming like him. And I love the scripture that you say, Genesis 6, that says, Adam knew his wife Eve and begat a son. So that knowing is what God wants to have with us. There is no bringing forth after his kind without the knowing, the intimate knowing. The reason is because authority only lies on Christ. Authority, kingdom authority. Listen to this. There's a difference between kingdom authority and believer's authority. Believer's authority has already been given you and I. When Christ died on the cross, he died for our sin. Isn't that so? When he died on the cross, he died for our poverty. When he died on the cross, he died for our oppression. When he died on the cross, one of the things he died for is the victory over our enemies. And our core enemies are not human. As simple as that, the church needs to hear that. Our core, the way to fight against human enemies is what the Bible calls love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. That is the realm of authority. Every time you are provoked and you get yourself to a point where your response to provocation is forgiveness, you have increased in rank. Praise God. In a lot of time, we just need to know that some of the people causing us trouble, there are spirits behind them. And we need to focus on those spirits. Anyway, if you kill the human being and the spirit is still active, all the spirit needs to do is to jump on the next human being. I don't even get what I'm saying. So you then have the same problem again. You have killed one of your staff, if it were, if God allows you. You know, some of these are people that are killing everybody all over. They kill their in-law, kill their this. Praise God. But that's not to say that human beings, human beings could be very wicked and mean and ruthless. But all we need to do is to bring ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Bring ourselves under the protective edge of God. The Bible says, I give to you power, enthusiasm. That's authority. The word authority there, enthusiasm, means delegated power. To tread upon serpent and scorpion. Those are spiritual beings. Beasts. 
venomous animals and all means of the enemy all the powers of the and nothing shall by enemies alter you that one has been given to you it's called believers authority and it doesn't matter your size it is description of believers authority is like a traffic water is a traffic warning that's controlling the flow of traffic and a signal to a truck to stop and the trucks obey him not because he has the capability to stop the truck but he has the authority by the federal republic of nigeria he has been delegated with the authority to control the traffic and that's who you are you don't look at yourself do i have the spiritual frame do have i fasted enough so whenever you see the activities of the enemy within your around your sphere of influence you take a stand and activate utilize the authority that you have in christ jesus to terminate every activities of hell let's take one more scripture john chapter 17. john 17 we'll take it from verse 14. the bible says i have given them thy word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as i am not of the world you see people applaud us when we live a life of integrity isn't that so but there's going to come a time the world you see if you are looking for the validation of the world you have missed it because you'll be hated you will be hated if you're going to choose the path of christ you'll be hated so the Lord Jesus said, I pray not that thou should all take them out of the world. This world is a frustrating place. It's a place of frustration. One of the things you're going to, the more godly you become, what I mean by that is that the more Christ-like you become, the more hostility you will experience. The reason is because your lifestyle will begin to judge the standard of your life will become a threat to that system. Customers don't seek for the validation of the world. So the, I love the Lord Jesus. Just hold it, hold it, hold it. I don't know how many of you after this election or maybe some event in your workplace and you're doing what is right and as a result of doing what is right you're experiencing backlash. How many of you have witnessed that? And that I just want to run away. You just want to say, maybe I should leave this country. It's when you get to the other country, you experience the same thing in a different way. You can even go to jail by doing what is right. This one is even extreme. You can go to jail by referring to a female as female. You could go to jail. As in, I don't get that one. That one is a like lack of common sense. That, they, they said they don't care whether you call it common sense. When you stand on public TV and they say that who, who is a woman and the fellow cannot define it because the fellow doesn't want to go to jail. <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> if the guy doesn't want to go to jail, he said maybe I, I was watching the program, maybe let my 
uh, uh, fellow judge. It was a child. A child. Tell my fellow judge, tell you the answer. The guy doesn't want to get into trouble. He's going to be fired. The producer of the program will fire him. And then the other lady that said, uh, uh, that's quite a very difficult question. The boy was like, I don't get it. That's a difficult question. I will not be able to answer right now who a woman is. Jackson, Jackson, what's her name? That was the American latest, you know, uh, Supreme Court judge was asked who is a woman and said, oh, dear congressman, uh, I don't know the answer. As a Supreme Court judge in America does not know who a woman is. Because if she dare talk, she can lose that appointment. Is there a, this one that my family, the family of my family, family, family stock of generation to a thousand years. Nobody has ever stepped into Supreme Court judge. That's one to you that I should tell who a woman is. I don't know. <laughs> who is a woman? I know not. <laughs> okay, I don't come and create a trap here. I don't say that she was disqualified because she defined who a woman is. I do not know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So in this world, we're going to face hostility. We faced it. And but the Lord Jesus said that my prayer is not that you should take them out of the world, but I have a prayer for them. You should keep them from the evil. And the word take them out is what Iro. And what Iro means, I'm not praying that you should ostracize them. We're not expected to ostracize ourselves. We're not expected to be ostracized. You know what I mean by that? You just keep yourself away from certain people so you don't get stained. That is an inaccurate response. You will be deprived of your dominion mandate. We're not expected to keep ourselves away from the people so that we can grow without sin and live without sin. No. The Lord Jesus said, my prayer is rather different. I'm praying that heaven will keep you from the, from the evil one. What that means is that the spirit that shaped the world, you will be, do I keep here, tell you, you know, I ask two meanings. One of the meanings is to be human, to be vaccinated, to be inoculated. When you say, I pray that you will keep them. What that means is that you just inoculate them. Give them second shot and the booster. <laughs> Kingdoms, two shots of vaccines against the infection of virus and added a booster to it. Praise God. He said, just get them vaccinated. Get them inoculated. And let them go into the world. The world is our platform. The world is our place of influence. We are called to infiltrate Babylon. Don't go in without being inoculated. Go in, haven't been inoculated. And after he has sent us, we have received the first shot. We need to stick here, take the second shot. You get but then we need to take the first booster. In America now, they've taken three boosters and they still, they still have coronavirus <laughs> because their vaccine is ineffective. But the vaccine of heaven, effective. So the question is that it's not an attempt to have ourselves ostracized. The question is how do we receive 
the vaccination. So that's when the Lord Jesus said, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. We need the embrace of the truth. We need the truth to circumcise our heart. We need the truth to read us of the foreskin of the carnal nature. We need the truth. We need the truth to walk on us. We need the truth to split the veil. We need the truth to culture our inner man. That's what we need. Our greatest need is the truth to configure us. The truth to shape us. The truth to culture us. That's our greatest need. If the truth will shape us, if the truth will culture us, that's all we need. When we go into the world, he will give us the mouth, the tongue, and the wisdom that our adversary will not be able to gainsay nor resist. If we have the truth, we will bear fruit. We will conquer the world. We will overcome our enemies. Because the truth works on us to reproduce the fruit. Then we can be entrusted with authority. Then we can express governmental dominion. We can express his government. We can show forth his dominion. It's one thing about dominion is that it's not, it's not, dominion is not strictly defined. Dominion is when they set a trap at you and you just buy by intuition the Holy Spirit just let you know and you just avoid it and it's like how, how did he know that's dominion you get what I'm saying that is dominion dominion is when they expect you to give a wrong answer and the Holy Spirit takes over your tongue and you speak what they did not expect and they are shocked and stone. That's the truth. That's dominion. At the back end of that, you have been the kind of person that when the Lord keep your eye, keep your eye, keep your eye, keep your eye. You have been the kind of person that when the when the Holy Spirit is constraining you, you have learned to respond. Isn't that so? When I have been an individual, when the Holy Spirit is constraining me, it's like Holy Spirit, let let me speak my mind. you've been speaking your mind and be creating chaos all over the place the day you will be set up that's how you will tell this spirit and what they want you to say is exactly what you will speak out of anger in fact some of us have silenced the prompting of the spirit you know what I mean by that? We can silence it. Don't get angry by it. But leave me alone, Joe. Do they think I'm a fool? I'm, am, I, am I a dundee? Am I a, you know, I'm not daft. I've proved a point. After a while, don't you say, please. In fact, after a while, it's like, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. let's start dying. Let me do my, someone said that I'm throwing the glove off my hand. 
what that means is that and the fellow is a man of god he said i will show them <laughs> you know the first time that was in 1990 when i heard somebody say that ha huh, if not for salvation if not for salvation in fact like this salvation is like Please don't be salvation, say, <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we must understand that we're people who are set on a mission. There's a call upon your life. You see, the greatest call is not a call to do ministry. There's a place for ministry, the gift of God. You get to find expression. There's a place for ministry. But the greatest call, it is called I calling. There's a great test level of call. That God has called us to set a standard in our generation. God has called us to establish and implement the dominion mandate. This is what the kingdom dominion is about. It's, it's kingdom dominion operate at the, you know, with the back end of aligning with the will of God. Pleasing God. Knowing God. That is the spring point of kingdom dominion let's rise up on our feet and i want us to give thanks to god and let's bless his name let's thank the lord first of all for this great honor that god has counted us worthy for this high calling in christ jesus lord we thank you for the privilege the privilege of being called by your name the privilege of being chosen lord thank you lord thank you Lord, thank you. Glory be to you, God. Blessed be your name. Dominion and power all belongs to you, our Father. Thank you, Jesus.